mic on. All right, I'll turn my mic on so that I can say hi, not just the people in the room, uh, but to the people worshiping in our microsites where we've got full protections, people worshiping online, people worshiping outside. We are glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. It's going to be a great day. I hope already as you worship God, God is anchoring your life in uh, to His. I thought maybe I would just kick things off here with just a Mother's Day prayer. I just want to maybe just to be a blessing uh, for, for you today. So if you'd join me, uh, let, we're going to pray uh, for Mother's Day and for mothers, and then we'll jump into things here. Dear Lord, our loving Heavenly Father, we come together today as fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and sisters and brothers, knowing that you are the one who made us and you know us. And even though you know us, you love us. We are amazed by that, God, amazed at your grace and compassion First of all, God, before all else, we thank and worship you that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, that because we trust in him, we can be declared righteous in your sight. And we need you, God. Life has a way of tearing us down. Please, God, build us up. Especially we pray that you would lift up and build up our mothers, that you would celebrate them and honor them and encourage them, Lord God. God, we pray for young mothers who are delighted but overwhelmed by the needs of a brand new person in the family. We pray for parents, young and old, who are struggling to balance the needs of their kids with everything else in life that demands of them. We pray for moms with teenagers and college-age children, grant them the wisdom and patience as they see their kids make the choices they would not have them make. We pray for moms who are empty nesters who worry and wonder if they did the right things for their kids and with their kids. We pray for moms who have children overseas or serving in the armed forces. Keep them safe. We pray for those that have lost a child and grieve now the loss of a child to death or abortion or illness or accident. On this Mother's Day, comfort those who are grieving. We pray for mothers who have adopted children or are caring for kids through foster situations and so many other we just thank you for them, God, for them seeing that, that all children are your children, which means they're our children and we need to love them. We pray for moms of kids with special needs. We pray for single moms and for grandmoms who are moms again. We 
We pray for moms with broken hearts because their relationship with their child has been severed or their children are making dangerous or self-destructive choices. God, you know what it is like to be disappointed by your children and rejected by your children, so comfort those moms who are experiencing that now. We pray for moms who need to forgive. Help us all to be forgiving people. We pray for those who are married but whose husband is not engaged with them, helping them raise their kids, or is abusive or cruel. Protect them. We pray for those moms who long for a partner to be with them and stand alongside them. God, we especially, we pray for those for whom Mother's Day is a really hard day. So many just in our church family, God, have lost their mother just in the last year. And so we pray for them. Many of us still grieve the loss of a mother years gone by. We pray for them. We pray for those who are right now caring for an ailing mother. We pray for those who longed to be a mother and are not a mother yet. All those for whom Mother's Day is a hard day, we just ask your care and love. And God, we thank you. We thank you for mothers, for motherhood, for the way they in our world provide nurture and guidance and love and care. And when we see a great mom in this world, God, we're reminded of you, how you love us and care for us perfectly, eternally, unconditionally. And so we thank you most for your love, and we pray that your love would be felt by everyone today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take a minute today if you get a chance and pray for somebody on Mother's Day. It's a good day to pray for people. Pray for people who are celebrating and pray for people who aren't. But it's also a good day for presents. And the best I can do is I'm going to try and give you a present today. It's a, it's a theological gift for moms. Mom, you did, moms, you didn't even know you wanted a theological gift today. You probably didn't want a theological gift today, but that's the best I got, you know. Oh, actually, that's not true. I heard there were going to be strawberries or something after church today. So I can do better than just a theological gift. But before the strawberries, a theological gift for you. And it's not just for moms. Uh, it's really for anybody. And I think this gift could change moms. It could change how you mom. Caretakers, it could change how you take care. And really for any of us, it could change how you live. It's a gift for anyone who wants to get back to life. That's what we're talking about in this series, is how can we do more than just go back to normal, as if normal was all that great to begin with. How can we go back to life? 
And the gift could be stated this simply. If you want to get back to life, you must give up control. Now, that doesn't sound like much of a gift. I know, I know. You're already not even sure you want it uh, because it's counterintuitive, right? Our instinct, if we're trying to build a little life for ourselves, if we're trying to get a little life, our instinct is to scramble for control. And we're sure that if we could just seize control of the situation or seize control of our career or seize control of other people or mom, seize control of our kids, right? Then we could really get to living. If only we could get control. I think this impulse that the way to life is through control like, is especially true for, for moms and dads and, and caregivers and caretakers and tour guides and leaders of all types. The impulse to control, I find that it grows exponentially when you're in charge of another life, right? I mean, because if you're on your own, you can go with the flow and you can roll with the punches. But if you're in charge of another life, all of a sudden you feel like you've got to make sure everything works out, right? We make jokes about it, right? We talk about super moms with charts and plans and organizers and everything color-coded so none of the socks ever get lost and everybody knows where their mittens are and everybody has their homework done. Or, or we talk about helicopter moms who always are there to swoop in and make sure that every situation turns out right and everything, nothing ever happens different than how we want it to happen. And, and every once in a while, you encounter someone whose attempts to be in control have gotten out of control. You know what I'm saying, right? They think they're trying to be in control and everybody else is like, no, you are out of control. Uh, in my last ministry, I led an internship program uh, for college students. And one year I had a junior uh, during the internship program. And about three weeks into the internship program, I get a phone call from somebody I had never met. And, and she introduces herself, you know, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm the mother of one of your interns. And I was like, okay, this is sweet. It's probably he's got a birthday coming up and she wants to send cookies or something like that. And I say, well, great, great. How can I help you? And she says to me, well, I know he struggles with being late. And I just wanted to know if he was on time to the meetings that you have at the internship program. Because if not, I could call him and wake him up earlier. This kid was 20 years old. He was doing an internship program 400 miles away from his hometown. And I was able to just say to his mom, I said, you know, ma'am, I, 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 I know there are lots of ways you can help your son right now. But I promise you. One of the ways you can help your son is not calling him and making sure he wakes up for work. If he in fact struggles with being late, and I will not comment on whether he is late or not to his professional responsibilities, but if he does, the best thing that could happen to him is that he gets dressed down for me, by me, for it now, then years later when he's in a real job, like, you know we don't even pay him, right? It's an internship program. He pays us, right? You get that, right? If he's late, it's not that, I mean, whatever. It's not the end of the world. So then she, had, she had this theory, right? She had a theory about life and a theory about motherhood that the way she was going to really live 
was to be in control of as much as she could. And it's easy to kind of tease about her calling some guy 400 miles away to make sure her son wasn't late to work. Um, But a lot of us have this theory, okay? A lot of us have this theory that the path back to life is greater control. If you could just get control of things, you could be on a track back to life. A lot of you have this theory, don't you? Do you know what it is? Like, can you, can you, could you, do you know what's the thing that already, you, if I could just control that, my middle child, if I could just control my middle child, I say that because I don't actually have a middle child, so it's, it's clearly a metaphor. If my middle child, if I could just control my middle child, everything would be fine. My, 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 my boss, if I could just get control of my boss, everything would be fine. You know, the stock market, if I could just get control of my investments, Everything would be fine. My health. Do, do you know the thing? Have, can you, do you know the thing that you have decided if I could just control that, I could get back to life? Maybe it's this pandemic, you know? You know. But here's what I want to tell you. The path of control might be the path back to normal. But it is not the path back to life. Because whether we know it or not, when we pursue a strategy of control, there is a, there is a, a, a companion, an unwanted experience that comes with it. When we live according to what we can control, anxiety and worry are always with us. Let me explain, explain why this is true. See, some of you all are super competent. Like you are. I've met some of you. You're very impressive people. And you can control a lot. And the rest of us are amazed. Uh, some of you are like me. And you're sort of a mess. And you can't control very much. We know who we are, right? I'm with you. I see you. Okay, great. But here's the thing. It doesn't really matter whether you're one of the people that can control a lot or you're one of the people that's sort of a mess. Reality is always more complicated, bigger, harder, more confusing, more chaotic than what you can control. Whether you can control a little or control a lot, reality is always worse than that. It's always more chaotic and more complicated. And the gap, if you're trying to live by what you can control, the gap between what you can control and how chaotic the world actually is, that gap is the worry gap. It's the fear gap, right? Okay, I can control this. I've got to worry about everything else. I can control this. I've got to be afraid of everything else. I can control this. I've got to be anxious about everything else. And if you're living according to what you can control, this is always the way you're evaluating the world. Okay, I can control this and this and this and this and this. And then you see how much more complicated the world actually is. And all of that is what you Fear And in good seasons, like, control seems possible, right? There's, there, there's this illusion that you can actually build a life out of what you control. But then chaos strikes, and we know it's not true. If you were going to learn a spiritual lesson from the pandemic, you could make it this lesson. 
that living your life by what you can control is a recipe for anxiety and worry and fear because what you can control is always less than how chaotic the world actually is. It's been sort of fun to watch uh, some of the funny ways people have learned uh, this lesson. Uh, I, I pulled some stuff off Twitter from some moms who have been learning about the limits of their control. I like this one. A pandemic is no excuse for excessive screen time. Study after study has shown that electronics are harmful to young minds. I've made the difficult decision to limit my children's iPad use to no more than 14 hours a day. And I hope you do the same. See, they, they, they've exercised some control here, right? They've set some boundaries. Uh, here's another person who realized the limits of their ability to control things during a pandemic. My daughter just asked me where we keep our crowbar. I'm pretty sure that's my cue to end the unsupervised play portion of our day. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, a lot of us have, have, have realized how little control we have in the area of schooling. I love this one. I can relate to this one. When my son failed a math test before March 1st, 2020, I would say, did you not study? Are you not paying attention in class? Do you need a tutor? When my son fails a math test today, well, we did our best, buddy. Uh, it's become a team sport. While we're on the subject of math, here's one from a dad that I think represents a lot of parents' experience. Uh, the dad says, you have school tomorrow. The nine-year-old asks, real school or school with you? The dad says, school with me is real school. And the nine-year-old responds, real teachers know math. Yeah, that hurts. That's hurt. But, but this was one of the most persistent themes of the pandemic, was just how much was out of our control. We made plans and changed them, and made plans and changed them, and made plans and changed them. I mean, we saw it here, right? We had worship services that we planned four or five times, and still none of those plans actually came to fruition. I think one of the universal pandemic experiences we had was just how out of control it felt. We made plans, and God decided whether it actually happened or not. It sort of was biblical. I don't know if you know Proverbs 16:9. In their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps. That's what this last year was like. In our hearts, we plan our course, but COVID regulations establish our steps, right? Or the CDC or whatever it was, because everything was out of control. One of the people I was talking to a couple weeks ago, and they were talking about kind of the mental work they were doing to recover from the pandemic. And they were saying the hardest thing for them that they were just noticing was they had stopped dreaming about the future because so much for so long had been ruined about their dreams about the future that they had stopped even kind of trying. And they said they just, they just had gotten just sort of stuck in just wallowing in the now. And it's because they had realized that they could hardly control anything. And they were paralyzed. But see, it turns out what we saw in the pandemic is actually true all the time. The most important things in life are mostly beyond our control. 
The most important things in life are mostly beyond our control. I mean, we especially, I mean, motherhood is a great place to see how true this is. I was talking to a mom, raised three kids. They're all out of the house now. She was talking about motherhood in general. It was about three weeks ago. And she said, the hardest thing about being a mom is that the one thing you most want to control, you can't control. In case you're wondering, kids, she was talking about you. You're the one thing she most wants to control, just to be clear. The one thing you most want to control is the one thing you can't control. This is true when your kids are babies and they won't go to sleep and it never stops being true. You, you can't even control whether they live, you know. Maybe you're a mom who just lost their child or you're a child who just lost their mom and you can see it so clearly right now, right? The one thing you want to control is the one thing you can't control. And I just want you to know, this isn't just true of motherhood. It's true of whatever area of life matters to you today. At best, we can sometimes control ourselves. But often we fall short of even that, don't we? So if you're building a life on what you can control, and it turns out life is always more complicated than that, and it turns out you can't control as much as you think you can, then a a life built on the desire to control ends up being a life of fear and anxiety and worry because that's all that's left. Jesus has some stuff to say about this. Uh, This is what Jesus says to those of us who are trying to build a life of control that ends up being a life of worry. Here's what he says. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, out a single hour to your life? First, I just want you to see the connection between our attempts to control and worry. When he says, do not worry about your life, that very phrase, don't worry about it, means give up trying to control it, right? These two are completely linked, control and worry and fear. He goes on, skipping a couple verses, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need him, but you seek first his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying something like this. Back to normal is control and anxiety. And they always go together. Control and worry. Control and fear. They're always in a pair. Back to life is trust and obedience. If I, if I had to give this lesson a name, I would call it the lesson of the wilderness. We maybe could call it the lesson of the pandemic. 
This is the lesson God's people learn in times of chaos. We've talked a few times over the last year about some of the parallels between our experience in the pandemic and the experience of God's people as they wandered in the wilderness from Egypt to the promised land. And one of the things you see whenever they wander during that, that wilderness period is whenever things got out of control, they were consumed by fear. And time and time again, their decision was they would rather go back to slavery in Egypt where at least they had things under control than live through the chaos of the present moment. This happens when they get, they get stuck by the sea. And Pharaoh's army is approaching. They say, why did you bring us out here to die? Were there not graves enough in Egypt? We should go back now. That's what they could control. They couldn't defeat an army, but they could surrender right then. They could control that. Or or then some years later, when they got sick of the food, and they said, why did you bring us out here to eat the same food every day? We should go back now. At least there we could control what was for supper. Or they get to the promised land and the spies go in and they see the enemy and they're convinced they can't take the land and they're convinced that God won't protect them. And they say, why did you bring us here just to meet, uh, uh, just to a land filled with enemies that we cannot conquer? We should go back now. At least they had a place for us to live in Egypt. Every time the world got more chaotic than they could control. And that's what happens. You control this much, but reality is this complicated. You control this much, but the chaos is this big. You control this much, but the struggle is this real. Every time that reality got more complicated than what they could control, their reaction was fear and their instinct was to run back to where things were simpler. And every time, God sent Moses to say, no, trust God and obey God. That was the lesson God wanted God's people to learn in the wilderness. And forever after, the prophets and, the prophets and Scripture reminded them of the lesson of the wilderness. Here's the way Deuteronomy 8 puts it. Remember. Don't forget, remember how the Lord your God led you. You see, it's an image where they've lost control. They're being led through the wilderness. You didn't navigate the wilderness. You were led through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character, to find out whether or not, what? You would obey his commands. Not whether or not you were in control, not whether or not you could handle the chaos, not whether or not you had life all figured out, but whether or not you would obey. Yes, he humbled you. He let you go hungry. And then he fed you manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, what they can hold, what they can see, what they can produce, what they can bake. Rather, we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, nobody has less control than a kid, right? I mean, if you want to see what does it mean to live not based on what you control, but based on trust and obedience, just look at a kid. They control hardly anything. 
And that they navigate life. How do they do that? Well, they trust their parents and obey what they say, even though they hardly control a thing. Think about it. He says, just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. It's fascinating as you look at the text of the Bible that remember the wilderness experience. Almost all of them lead to a call for trust and obedience. They talk about what God did in the wilderness and then they call people to trust and obedience. Now listen, if you are right now building your life based on what you can control, I get it. It makes a ton of sense. Especially if you're a parent or a caretaker, right? The more you're responsible for other people, the more you are tempted to live your life based off what you can control, right? Because you've got to control things not just for you. You've got to control things for them too, right? You love them and you want what's best for them. And so you're going to do everything you can to arrange the world so they never come to harm and they get a good job and everything works out and they never have a relationship problem and they never get sick and everything's perfect and it's all wonderful. And you're going to do every, I, I get the temptation to just say, I have to control every little thing. But, but the thing is, you really can't control that much. And so if you're living your life based off what you can control, your life gets smaller and smaller and your fears get bigger and bigger. Your life gets smaller and smaller and your worries get bigger and bigger. I, I think that, for me at least, and I don't think I'm the only one, I think this post-pandemic moment has a little spiritual risk to it, okay? Because we might think to ourselves, okay, the chaos is past. We can get back to controlling things now, right? We can get back to building a life around what we can control. Things are going to get back to normal. I can start predicting the future again. I know it's going to happen. But the more we build our lives around what we can control, the less we build our lives around the sovereignty of God. This is, I really, I almost worry more about some of y'all people that are like good at stuff. Like me, like I said, I'm sort of a mess. I can hardly control anything. So the temptation to build my life on what I can control isn't that great. But some of you are really competent and you're smart and clever. You can control a lot. For you, you might be like, I, could, I think I could build a life on what I can control. But what I'm just saying is it turns out reality is always bigger. Again, I think motherhood is such a perfect example of this. The best mom in the world, the most ultra, super competent helicopter mom in the world can control a tiny fraction of what their kids actually go through. You can't control who they marry or whether their marriage works out. You can't control whether they're able to have kids. You can't control their career. You can't control their health. You can't control their mental health. You can't control whether they get injured. I mean, I'm just telling you, you build a life on what you can control. It's just a tiny little life. And if you did that, you would miss the lesson of the wilderness. You'd miss what I think is one of God's big spiritual lessons of this pandemic. You would even miss just the lessons of plain old motherhood. 
that our attempts to control our universe don't succeed. They just lead us deeper into worry. I want to hear that. Your attempts to control the things around you just lead you deeper into worry, and they lead you farther from God. But the good news is there is another path. There's another way to go. Remember, back to normal, that's control and anxiety. But back to life is trust and obedience. I, now, don't think for a second that giving up control is, is like, is just giving up, right? I'm not asking you to say, well, I guess if I can't control everything, there's just nothing for me to do. I'll just sit back and hope my kids turn out all right, or I'll just sit back and hope the world works out, you know. Uh, I'm just trusting God, so there's nothing. No, we're not giving up control and replacing it with apathy, we're giving up our control and replacing it with trust and obedience. We are still active. It's just our activism shifts from trying to control everything around us to just saying to God, God, I trust you, and so I will obey you. This is why right before God gives the people the Ten Commandments, this is what God says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Right before God gives them the commands, God reminds them that they can trust God. And because they can trust God, they know that they can obey God. I, I wish I had time to just sit down with every one of you because what I want you to see is that these two pathways are present in every arena of life. Um, think about evangelism for a second, right? God calls us to be evangelists, to be sharing the good news of Christ in every one of our relationships. And I personally have just been feeling the burden of God challenging me to be in more relationships where I can share the good news with others. And I've got two paths. I can choose the path of control or the path of trust. And if I choose the path of control, all of a sudden I'm filled with anxiety, right? What if I say the wrong thing, or at the wrong time, or I talk to the wrong person, or I do it wrong, or I mess it up, or what if somebody else interrupts us, we're in the middle of our conversation, okay, I got to plan it, so no, you see, you just, you, you spin out of control because you're trying to control, and soon you're paralyzed with worry and anxiety. The path of trust and obedience sounds like this, God, you command me, and I trust you for the outcome. So I'll do my best and go for it, and you'll take care of the rest. In, in parenting, there's the path of control and the path of trust and obedience. The path of control, we, we know what it looks like. We see it all around us, right? We dictate everything of our child's lives. We get angrier and angrier when they don't obey. We get more and more fearful when the world doesn't comply with our vision of what their future should be. And as, we get, as, as time goes on, there's more anger and more worry. And soon our world is filled with worry and anger and fear. And our kids feel it and we feel it and we wonder what happened. And we don't even get the outcomes we hoped for because we aren't as in control as we thought we were. Or there's the path of trust and obedience. Or we say, God, you love these kids more than I do. You care about these kids more than I do. I'm just going to do my best and be as faithful as I can. I'm going to be there when I need to be. I'm going to still be obedient. There's still plenty for you to do. I'm just not in control, God. 
and you're in control, and I'm going to trust you for the outcome of this life and the outcome of this relationship and the outcome of this. And, and whatever arena of life you are grasping for control, I just want you to sit with God and consider the contrast between these two paths. Don't fail to learn the lessons of the pandemic, okay? I just want you to know this is the front edge of the spiritual work that I'm doing right now in my own life. This is what I am trying to learn because we, we, we can do this same, we can fall into this same trap in every area of leadership, you know? And, and, and this season in the church's life, I tell you, I've lost so many nights thinking, what can I do? What, what, what decision can I make that won't make anybody mad? What decision can I make that will let everybody be engaged? How can I accomplish this thing so that we don't lose anybody and so that everybody can participate and everybody... Fe- and it was, it was killing me. And I was reading through this wilderness story. Because it felt like we were in the wilderness and just felt like there was a lot of, I had a lot of lessons to learn from Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy there where it tells the story. And it was just, it was just like the Word of God was so clear. Ethan, if you want to live by what you can control, you are going to have a sad, miserable life. Because you are really not that good at your job. You can control like three things at the same time. And everything else is going to be worry and anxiety and fear. Or... You could trust me and obey me. And I'm not, doing, I'm not perfect at this, but I, I know what path I'm choosing. Because I know that other way, it doesn't work for nothing. And you got the same choice. You can go back to normal. You can live by what you can control. It's such a temptation. You can live by what you can control, and anxiety and worry will always be with you because there will always, no matter how much you can control and how many charts you make, there will always be a gap between what you can control and how complicated and chaotic reality actually is. And your worry will rise and your faith will shrink because you will depend on God less and less every day. Some of you moms need to hear this today, okay? You can't control it all. Or you couldn't control it all back in the day. And you will hurt your kids if you try. And you will hurt your faith. There's another option, of course. We could go back to life. We could trust God and obey his commandments. Because then there is no gap. When I trust God, there is no gap because reality can't be too chaotic for God. When I obey God, there is no gap because the chaos, God God wasn't surprised by the pandemic. He isn't surprised by what's coming next in your life. God is prepared and God is ready and God loves you. I don't know if it counts as a Mother's Day present or not. But I do believe it is, a, it is a gift to you. Two paths. Control and anxiety or trust and obedience. And one of those paths takes you right back to life. If you need help getting started on that path today, I sure hope you'd come talk to me. We're going to sing here in a little bit. I'll be over there on the side. I'd love to talk to you about what it would look like for you to begin walking the path of trust and obedience to God. 
Maybe you know what that path is like. You just fell off the way, and it's time for you to get back. Maybe while we sing together, you could just tell God, I'm, I'm back on the path toward life, toward trusting you and obeying you, knowing that most of life is beyond my control, but it's not beyond yours, God. I hope you would say that to God as we sing together, and if you need to begin that journey, you come talk to me and begin the journey of trusting Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious God, lead us back to life. Teach us to trust and obey you. Teach us to recognize that our attempts to control are quickly thwarted thwarted by the chaos of the world. But our decision to trust will always be sufficient. This is our prayer, Lord Christ. And I just pray now for some people that need to lean back into their trust of you. I pray that they would do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.